Today we're continuing the series called uh, Overwhelmed. And so I'm looking at the topic of, of this, and the, the question is, or the statement is, or the title is, is when God shows up. I mean, how do you know when God shows up in a situation? How do you know when God shows up in your life? There's several things that happen, and we can pull those out of Job's life. If you've been with us through this series of Job, you know that Job was like the best of best. He's a religious guy. He, he was a devout uh, uh, God follower. He went to church all of the time. He took his family to church. He was a respected businessman. He was influential. He had a lot of influence in the community and all of these other things. And he, and he had a lot of possessions. And so he was a successful guy as well. And then through a system or, or a set of circumstances, Job loses everything, including his health. He loses his kids. He loses his income. He loses his home. He loses everything. And the bottom falls out. And so we've been walking through Job's life. And so we've come to this point when all of a sudden God shows up. And I think there's some interesting principles or there's some principles that we can pull out of this that apply directly to our life. Prior to this, God and Job had had a conversation and they're having a conversation. We'll catch the tail end of that. And so uh, God shows up and through chapter 38 through, through chapter 41, God asked Job 77 questions, none of which Job could answer. And then all of a sudden, God shows up in Job's life and something happens. Let me just tell you, whenever God shows up in your life, whenever God shows up in a church service, whenever he shows up in a life group, whenever he shows up in your home, whenever he shows up through life journey, reading scripture, transformation happens. In other words, lives are changed. And so let's walk through this together. If you have your Bible's electronic devices, Job chapter 42, uh, verse 1 is where we're going to start reading. And here's the first principle. The first principle is this. When God showed up in Job's life, Job was never the same. When God shows up in your life, you will never be the same. Fact is, that's one of the signs. That's one of the signs that God has showed up is this, is that there's transformation that happens when you look at it. So, so, Job's, or so God's asked Job a bunch of questions, and all of a sudden in Job chapter 42, verse 1, Job starts responding. So then Job, Job answered the Lord. None of those questions he could answer. And here's what he says. Verse 2, I know that you can do all things that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. In other words, this, God, I, I, I get it now. I get it. You're in control. You're sovereign. You're in control. You have a purpose and a plan for my life, even though I don't understand it. See, prior to the crisis, prior to the overwhelming circumstances, Job began saying some things about God to his three friends. And he began questioning, is God really in control? Is God really powerful? It, does, does God even hear? <clears throat> excuse me. Does God even hear? Does God even know what I'm going through? And when Job walked through these overwhelming circumstances and God shows up and begins to speak to Job, Job realizes, guess what? God, you are powerful. And God, you are in, in control. And there's some things about you that are a mystery to me. And I don't understand everything that goes on. But I don't have to understand everything that goes on because I know that I can trust you. In other words, God, that, that whatever you do, I may not understand, but I know that whatever you do is right and just. And so for the first time, Job begins acknowledging who God is, that God is, that God is in control and that God is sovereign. In other words, this prior to the overwhelming experiences or, or, or situations that Job walked through, Job had a small view of God. In other words, Job was the guy that was, that kept saying, that one day, he's telling his friends, one day when I, when I enter the presence of God, one day when I come and I talk to God, he's going he's gonna to be accountable to me. He's going to answer some questions to me, for me. And, and, and so all of a sudden, Job realized that, guess what? I had a small view of God. Listen, let me just tell you something. 
the danger of you having a small view of God, that God is really not in control, that God is really not powerful. Listen, if you have a small view of God, you will never trust him in overwhelming circumstances. See, that was Job's problem. That was one of his problems. Is that Job had this small view of God that God really isn't in control. And God really doesn't have a plan for my life. And so, verse 3, we'll just go on. This is what Job is saying. Who is, who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, what Job's saying, Therefore, I have uttered what I, what I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. You know what Job's saying? Job's confessing. He says, God, I said some things about you that were in complete ignorance. I said some things about you that I didn't understand. Have you ever noticed with some people, by the things that they say, it just kind of reveals their ignorance? I mean, to where it'd be better if they said nothing at all, rather than say some of the things that they say. Uh, here a while back, Charles Barkley, and you may not know who Charles Barkley is. Charles Barkley was, a, was an NBA uh, star, and then now he's, a, now he's an analyst, and he, he's hilarious, and he's funny, and he's written an autobiography of his life and all those other things. And so here a while back, he was doing a question and answer session with some reporters. And so one of the reporters says, uh, Charles, we'd like to ask you a question. He had a book with him. He said, I'd like to ask you a question about your life. And so Charles says, well, absolutely. And he says, and I quote. And so he reads out of a book and he quotes uh, a couple of sentences. And so Barclay looked at him kind of confused and says, you know what? I don't know where you got that, but that is absolutely not true. I don't know who would ever write that about me. And the reporter goes, oh, that's kind of odd because this is your autobiography that you wrote. Sometimes the things that we say reveal our ignorance. And so what Job is saying is this. Job is saying, God, some of the things I said about you, it revealed my ignorance. There's some things about you that, that I didn't understand. Listen, a lot of people have a lot of opinions about God. And, and sometimes it's just based upon ignorance. A lot of people pretend to know a lot more about God than they really do. When God showed up in Job's life, see, what happened, Job had an intellectual faith. And it was never really a personal faith. Job knew a lot of facts about God. But his faith had never become personal. And all of a sudden, Job comes to this place to be able to embrace the mystery of God embrace who God is, and his faith started changing from an intellectual faith to a personal faith. I mean, to where he started to understand the wonders of God. I mean, some of the wonders of God that I, I, I just think about is that you have this holy and righteous God that sent his son, Jesus Christ, he who knew no sin, to this earth. And the scripture says that while we were still sinners, Christ took on our sin and went to the cross and he bled and he died. And on the third day, he, 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 he was resurrected, which we'll celebrate next week at the event center. And through that, he offers us, offers us forgiveness and salvation. I mean, it's just the wonders of God and the mystery of God. And Job's faith up until this point was just, it was just intellectual. And it wasn't personal. It wasn't personal to the fact that that, that he could explain God in some ways. Verse 4, watch this. He just, this is the first time. What, well, just, just read this. Verse 4. Here, so what Job is saying, here and I will speak. I will question you 
and you make it known to me. Do you realize, you know what Job's doing? Job is quoting God. Job is quoting scripture. This is, this is the first part of God's speech when, in Job chapter 38 when, when God said, Job, brace yourself like a man. I have 77 questions for you to answer. And Job came to the place for the very first time in his life and he's quoting scripture. He's quoting what God said. And Job didn't have, listen, Job didn't have an answer for any of those 77 questions. And God was saying, Job, you want to question me? Before you do, let me question you. See, Job came to this place in his life where transformation began to happen. And he understood that, guess what? God is in control of my life. Now, listen, here, here's the interesting thing about the conversation that God and Job had. And the interesting thing is this. God didn't ask him those 77 questions to help Job understand the mystery of God. He didn't ask him those 77 questions to vindicate himself. Fact is, those questions, those 77 questions that God asked Job, they were to help Job understand and realize that God's ways are higher than his ways. His thoughts are higher than his thoughts. It's exactly what Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, verse 8, when Isaiah said this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, what God wanted Job to understand is this. I, I operate on a different level than you. I, I, I operate on a different spiritual plane, I, an intellectual level, a time level, a space level, all of those things. And so Job began to understand this about the mystery of God. And Job, Job began to understand this, that it doesn't really matter. What matters is this, is that he trusts God. And that he understands him. It's a great lesson for us to understand and come to the place to where we just understand this. Uh, verse 5, as Job just walks through this, and then all of a sudden the change begins to happen. Verse 5, and Job says, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my ears, but now my eyes see you. In other words, Job is saying, God, I just got to tell you, I was living an intellectual faith. I knew a lot of facts about you. I knew a lot of things about you. I, I, I may have believed in you, but I'd never made my faith personal. See, his faith was very intellectual and it was never really personal. In other words, it's the difference between head and heart. That Job had this head faith, this knowledge faith, this intellectual faith, but he didn't have this personal faith. Job was that guy that, that, that could quote chapter and verse and make you feel rotten about it. But he couldn't open up his, his life to you and say, let me just show you, where, let me show you that where God worked in my life. Let me tell you about the time when I went through whatever. Job came to that place to where he had a personal relationship with him. Let me ask you this this morning. Just, you know, I have to answer out loud. Is God, is God personal to you? Do you have a personal relationship with him? I mean, do you know him? This is the point. Of God's conversation with Job. One of the ways that we know that when God shows up. Is there's transformation that happens. Lives that are changed. So let me just ask you. Do you have a personal relationship with him? Do you know that you know that you know? And you may say, well, wait a minute. I, I, I believe in God. 
Well, the, the scripture says this. The scripture says that the, in James that the demons believe in God and they shudder. So it's a little bit more than belief. That's a great starting point. You're not going to find the demons in heaven because they've never submitted themselves to the Lordship of Christ. They've never confessed Jesus Christ as, as their Lord and Savior and all those other things. So it's more than just that. Have you ever come to the place in your life to have a personal relationship with him? To have asked him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and start this relationship with him. Because when God shows up, listen, lives are changed. And Job's life was changed. He was saying, all these years I've heard about you. In other words, it was a secondhand faith. And I knew some facts about you. But now my eyes have truly seen you. And because of that, I am changed. Verse 6, he goes on. Therefore, I despise myself. I repent in dust and ashes. And all of a sudden, when Job meets God, when Job comes into the presence of God, that he is totally and completely humbled. In, in, in the Hebrew, that, that word despise myself that word means to totally melt away. In other words, when I came into the presence of God and I understood who God really was, I melted away. I no longer had a small view of God. I had a large view of God. I had a small view of myself and a large view of God. And I understood that, guess what? God is in control. He has a purpose and he has a plan. And I am accountable to him and he is not accountable to me. And then he goes on and he says, and I, I repent in dust and ashes. So the question is, well, what did Job repent of? Because the Bible says that he was a righteous man. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a righteous man. It says that he was a God follower and all of those other things. So the question is, what did Job repent of? Remember the conversations that Job would have with his three friends? And Job was, all, was, was saying, you know what? God's going to have to answer to me. He's going to have to explain to me why I'm going through this. When I get to see God face to face, here are the questions I'm going to ask him. I'm going to hold him accountable. You know what, Job? One of the things Job was repenting of Job was repenting of the sin of pride. I mean, he was coming to the place to where he's repenting of this issue of, of seeing God as a small God. And he began to repent of, of those things in his life, which led to his transformation, which led to his change. When God shows up, the first thing has happened. Lives are changed and you'll never be the same. The second thing is this. Job found freedom from past hurts and pain. When God shows up in your life, you will find freedom of past hurts and pain. In other words, it sets you free of the past, the bondage of hurts and pains of the past. One of the things that God did in Job's life is he began to restore the relationships of Job's past. Remember those three friends that, that, that showed up that we keep talking about? And they, 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 they were in Job's life and they were, they were the guys that were always saying, the reason you're going through this, there's sin in your life. The reason you're going through this, it's, it's your fault and all of those other things. And they were having this conversation. All of a sudden, God begins to restore past relationships. He begins to heal Job of some past hurts and pains. Verse 7, watch this. And so the Lord uh, had spoken these words to Job. And the Lord said to Eliphaz, uh, the Temanite, my anger burns against you and against your two friends. So now God's directing his conversation to his friends. For you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. In other words, you know, what Job, you know what God's telling Job's friends? God's telling Job's friends this. Guess what? You're accountable for your words. You're accountable for your words that you say about God. Uh, you're not only accountable for your words, but you're account accountable for the spirit of your words. The things that his friends said 
broke the heart of God. And, and sometimes those three friends that Job has, we may have in our life. And sometimes they can be difficult friends because they, they can quote chapter and verse. But it's not, a, it's not a, with a spirit of love. It's not the proper timing and all of those other things. And so because of that, there was deep hurt between Job and his friends. And so God begins to deal with his friends. And in verse 8, he goes on. And so now, therefore, take seven bulls, seven rams, and go to my servant Job and offer up a burning offering for yourself. And my servant Job shall, shall pray for you, and I will accept his prayer not to deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant has. So Job, God's telling Job's three friends, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to Job, and I need, to, I need you to ask him for forgiveness. And he's asking Job, Job, I need you to forgive them. So verse 9, So Eliphaz the Temanite, and Bildad the Shuite, and Zophar the Namanite, went and did what the Lord had told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. Sometimes we're guilty of giving Job's three friends a really hard time. But this is amazing what they did. God had convicted them and said, you've sinned against Job. And you've hurt Job deeply. And so here's what I need you to do. I need you to go to Job and I need you to ask Job for forgiveness. This is only between God and Job's three friends. Nobody else knows. Job's not asking them for forgiveness. Job's not doing any of that. It's between God and his three friends. And the amazing thing is this. His three friends do it. And they go to Job. That's a hard thing to do, right? Let me ask you, have you ever had to do that? Have you ever done that in your life? To where what you've said was out of bounds or maybe what you did was out of bounds? And you know it, it crushed someone. You know it hurt someone. And whether you were life journaling or whether you were praying or whatever, whether you're in a church service, and all of a sudden that situation comes to your mind. You say, you know what? Man, I just know. And God wants me to go to them. And God wants me to tell them what I said or what I did was offensive and I need to ask for their forgiveness. I've had to do that. Man, I've had to do that in marriage. I've had to do that in relationships and friendships. To where we've, we've said something or we've done something. And I know it's an awkward and it's a hard thing to do, right? Because because his three friends, they don't know how Job's going to respond. They just know that they cut him to the heart. They just know they hurt him. So they don't know how Job, Job's going to respond in this. They don't have a clue. And when we do it, we don't know how they're going to respond. Let me, let me help you with that. There, sometimes you, you can go to some somebody. Sometimes I've gone to someone and I've sat down with them and says, Hey, listen, God really convicted me of something that I said or something that I did. And I could tell I hurt you. Fact is, I know I hurt you. And so I need to ask you for your forgiveness. Now, a lot of times, because that conversation is awkward for everybody, right? A lot of times that other individual will look at you and they go, oh, wait a minute. You know what? We're good. We're good. I, I, I don't need you to say you're sorry. I don't need to say any of that. We're just good. And so they'll try to brush it. Don't let them. Do not let them. 
If God has told you to go to someone and ask them for forgiveness, then when you sit down with them and you say, hey, listen, I just need to say I'm sorry. I need to ask for forgiveness and I need to know we're right. And if by chance they say, well, wait a minute, uh, we're good. Don't let them say, no, 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 I got to do this. And what I need to hear, because you may have to coach them. What I need to hear back from you is this, is that you forgive me and that we're good because this is important to me. It's an important principle for marriage. It's an important principle for relationship. And so Job goes to these, or so his friends go to Job and he begins telling them. And so the question is, is, is how is Job going to respond? But see, let me tell you something. Job had been changed. Job had, I mean, what he says, I repent in dust and ashes. I despise myself. I melt away. I have a big view of God and a small view of myself. And Job had received grace. He understood what grace was. And listen, I'm telling you, when you receive grace, you can give grace to others. And when Job's three friends sat down with him, he understood the power of forgiveness. Listen, he understood he may have already forgiven them. I'm telling you, forgiveness will put you in a prison. Unforgiveness will put you in a prison. Unforgiveness, the, the unwillingness to forgive someone, if you're not careful, will destroy your life. And it'll put you in bondage. And one of the things that happened in Job's life, God wanted to set him free from all of that. Even though his friends had mistreated him and hurt him. Listen, let me tell you something. An intellectual faith says this. An intellectual faith says, I need to forgive. A personal faith says, I will forgive. An intellectual faith says, I understand the principles and I understand why you should forgive. But it, it stops there. But a personal faith is this. A personal faith is, I understand what God has done for me. I understand what God has forgiven me of. And as a result of that, I'll extend that grace to others. See, a person like Job, especially all that he had walked through, when his friends told him that we have hurt you and we're sorry and we need you to pray for us, he gave grace to them. Man, there's freedom in that. There's verse, verse 10. Looks what happens after Job prayed for them. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed. In other words, he had to forgive his friends before he prayed. When he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. In forgiveness, God will restore all. God restored all that Job had lost. God had set him free, and God set him free when Job was willing to demonstrate grace to others. One, one of the proofs that we have experienced God's grace is when we're willing to be graceful towards others. When we're willing just to cut others some slack. Verse 11, watch this. Then God begins to heal other relationships in Job's life. I'm going I'm to read these, these, these. These are some fair-weathered friends. I'm going to read what happened. Job chapter 42, verse 11. All of a sudden, God begins to restore all to Job. It's, it's good days. Job's through the crisis. He's through the overwhelming circumstances. Great days are ahead. Watch this. Then came to him all his fair-weathered friends. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house. And they showed him sympathy and comfort him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. 
So remember these three friends? Remember these fair-weathered friends that were close friends and family members of Job before the overwhelming circumstances? Here's what Job says about them in Job chapter 19, verse 13. He says this, same set of friends. He has put my brothers far from me, and those who knew me are wholly estranged from me. My relatives have failed me. My close friends have forgotten me. This is the crowd of friends that left Job. They were the fair-weathered friends. There were the friends that when, when he went through overwhelming circumstances, when he went through difficulties in life, when he lost all, these are the friends that walked away from him. In other words, when he was going through tough times and he needed them the most, they walked away. You want to know who your real friends are? Walk through overwhelming circumstances. And then when God restored everything back to Job, they come back into his life. And there's a Job, we're really concerned about you. We were praying for you. The fact is, we're putting you on the prayer cha chain at, at church. Uh, we were posting about you. We were concerned about you. But they had no contact with him. And the question is this, how does Job respond to those? How, how do you respond to friends like that? I mean, Job could have attacked them. And Job could have told them, you know what, guys? When I needed you the most, you weren't here. When I was at the lowest point in my life, I wasn't here. I tell you, when God shows up in someone's life and they are never the same, and God begins to touch them and restore them and show them grace, I'm just telling you, when it's, when it's a personal faith, grace knows no grudges. I think Job had forgiven his three friends in this group of friends before they ever came in and asked for it. Job was at that place in his life of grace that where he could just say, when, when people do what is right, I'll just, be, I'll just be grateful for that. See, God began to restore in Job's life relationships that were around him. The last thing what happened when God showed up in Job's life is this, is there was restoration for his future. It was not only past, restoration for the past, healing and forgiveness and all of that other stuff, but then he began to restore his, his, his future. Uh, verse 12. And then the Lord blessed the later days of Job more than the beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camel, 1,000 yoke of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And so what the Bible tells us, Job chapter 1 and several other places, that when God restored Job, he gave back to him, he restored him, he blessed him double. And so if you run the numbers, if you start looking at the numbers of how many sheep and cattle and possession that he had before the overwhelming uh, circumstances and children, and then after the overwhelming uh, circumstances, and you begin looking at that, you realize that he doubled possessions, he doubled uh, livestock, he doubled all that stuff. But here's the interesting thing. When Job went into this situation of his life, the overwhelming circumstances, he had 10 kids. And through the overwhelming circumstances, Job loses all 10 kids. And then after he goes through the overwhelming circumstances, God gives Job 10 kids again. I thought he doubled everything. I, I thought God doubled everything. He doubled all the possessions. I mean, I, I thought God would have given him 20 kids. If he started out with 10, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. 
God never, Job never lost those 10 kids. Job simply now has 10 kids in heaven and 10 kids on earth. Job has 20 kids. To the parent, that has lost a child in death. You never really lost that child in death. God's helping Job to understand that my ways aren't your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And in Christ, in Him, we never really lose anything. And God was taking Job through, through a process that Job's faith would become personal and that he would move it from an intellectual faith to where you just know a lot of things about God to where you have this personal faith and you know Him like a friend and you can go to circumstance and you can go to situation where God ministered to you where God answered a prayer where, where God took care of you and to where you can say I may not understand the mystery of God but I know that he has a plan I know no one can change it and I know he can be trusted would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you this morning, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you as a result of this message? Maybe more importantly, how, how does he want you to respond? I, I, I don't know what brought you here this morning. I don't know if it was a baptism. I don't know if, if, if a friend brought you. I don't know if you checked us out on the web. Or, or you saw one of our one of our advertisements. I I don't know what brought you here this morning, um, but I know who brought you here this morning. And God brought you here this morning because He wants to do something in your life, and He wants each one of us to take a take a next step. I don't I don't know what your next step is. I know what. Job's next step was. The fact is, I, I know what my next step is. I, I don't know what your next step is. Your next step may be a first step to where you may have had an intellectual faith to where you've known some things about God or you've had a view about God that's really based upon nothing. And maybe this morning he just wants to reveal himself to you to where you just come to that place and ask him to come into your life to forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of eternal life. Maybe for some of you, your next step is is just to forgive somebody. To release them. So you don't walk away here with unforgiveness or, or grudges because that will put you 
in a prison, in bondage, where there is no freedom, where there is no peace. Maybe this morning you, you'd say, you know what, I, I'm just carrying a burden. And I, I just need someone to pray for me. We want to pray for you. So in just a few minutes, after I pray, we're going to stand. And when we stand together, I'm just going to invite you that if, if you need prayer in any area of your life, where it's a financial issue that you're walking through, a medical issue, or a relational issue, maybe you want to pray for someone, maybe you're praying about a decision, direction in your life, Maybe you want to go deeper with him. Whatever you're carrying, we want to lift that burden. So if you need prayer in any area, in just a few minutes after I pray, we're going to stand. And as we stand, I'm going to invite you, as you stand up, would you just step out, begin making your way down to the front, have some prayer partners down here, some people be walking with you. Just tell them your name, how they could pray for you. They'd love to have the opportunity to pray for you and lift that burden. So if you need prayer, prayer in any area after I pray we stand you come father we thank you for today and father we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace father we thank you for the power of your name and father we thank you that you're a perfect and a righteous God who desires to have a relationship with us and may you show up and may we respond Take that next step that you're asking us to take. May people receive prayer. May people receive ministry. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.